I'm Sean McCormick, and this is Optimal Performance. We can tell you for the amount of activity that you have, how many calories you should be consuming, and then we try to keep you to those calories. We take CGM data, heart rate data, food log data, and a lot of other data that comes with them, and we essentially predict what a person's glycemic response is going to be to any food. That, everyone, is Nusheen Hashemi, and she's the founder and CEO of a company called January AI. What January does is an application that tracks your heart rate, your glucose through a continuous glucose monitor, your fasting, and your eating schedule to help you develop better habits and live a healthier life. We all know by now that if you are obese or if you have metabolic dysfunction, you are way more likely to get sicker faster. You know, the amount of money that the federal government assigns to help people with diabetes is staggering and it's getting worse and worse. And so what I believe is that technologies like January AI could have a dramatic impact on the health of millions or even billions of people on the planet. In this episode, we dive deep into how it works, why you should move after you eat, why doctors are not equipped to help you live an optimal life, we talk about the importance of consuming fiber. We talk about the vision for this really innovative company. You know, one out of every $4 in the US healthcare system is spent on diabetes, and this is gonna help a lot. Fascinating conversation. Nusheen knows her stuff, and I can't wait to share this episode with you. You can go to january.ai to sign up for the program. Uh, there's an early access offer right now for 288 bucks to get started. Definitely worth looking at. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Nusheen Hashemi. Welcome everyone to the Optimal Performance Podcast. My name is Sean McCormick. I'm a life coach, performance coach, wellness entrepreneur, and it's my pleasure to bring to you every single week the world's leaders in the field of performance so that you can live your life at its most optimal level. Plus, cutting edge ideas so that you can stay ahead of the curve in an ever-changing world. Let's dig right in. And we're here with Nusheen Hashemi. She's the founder and CEO of January AI. Nusheen, welcome to the Optimal Performance Podcast. Thank you, Sean. Thanks for having me. I, I'm excited to dive in because we had a little chit chat before and we are so aligned with the need for people to have customized health optimization. We're on the same page there. I have a ton of questions, but I really want to start with sort of a simplification. Please simplify this really complex thing that you've built. And if you, if you could explain what January AI does uh, to a third grader, how would you explain that? To a, a third smart grader. Third, smart to third a smart third grader. grader. Okay, so the short uh, version for a, smart, uh, for a smart third grader is that we take um, some inputs and we put it through magic and we put out some outputs. Uh, the inputs that we take are really interesting information about your body, like um, what your body is doing. And we see inside your body by looking at your glucose, by looking at your heart rate, and a variety of other markers that heart rate monitors uh, put out. And to that, we add um, information about what you're eating. So we are very big about uh, precision nutrition. We have our own food logging um, features. Uh, we think it's really important to account for what you're eating, uh, at least for a period of time um, at a time, you know, intermittently, not for the rest of your life, but uh, some people do it um, for the rest of their life. So we take um, 
CGM data, heart rate data, food log data, and a lot of other data that comes with them. And we essentially um, predict what a person's glycemic response is going to be to any food. Meaning for the third grader, if you eat fried chicken and um, you eat a hamburger, we can now predict your response, your blood sugar level for spaghetti and meatballs and pizza without you ever eating those things. Mm. Yeah. Well done. That third grader is like, oh, I get it. You did, you take the thing, you put it in the magic. <laughs> it was hard. That's, I, know, I know. Third graders I deal with are, are insane. They, you know, they write, they do AP calculus. So it's kind of hard to, I'm not joking. I've, I've, wow. I, <laughs> my, um, yeah, my son went to a special school with, with a lot of special, um, special classmates. <laughs> wow. Awesome. In, in follow-up to that, because I, I, that I, that really helps sort of explain the, the predictive portion of what you're doing. And I think that that's, that's really, really important for a lot of people. And so who is, who is January AI really focused on? Which type of people and for what outcomes? Okay. So we started the company very obsessed with the idea of helping people with prediabetes not get diabetes. That's how we kind of started. My co-founder, Mike Snyder, has type 2 diabetes. Uh, he didn't get it from a lifestyle thing. He had a, he had a particular kind of a Mendelian case, a very rare genetic case that gave him the predisposition to type 2 diabetes after he had this viral uh, infection. Type 2 diabetes came to him because of this precondition that he had. He's been working on, um, he did the famous IPOP study at Stanford over four years, looked at 100 people, looked at how they went from sort of some of them went from healthy disease, some of them developed diabetes, and he looked at sort of what happens in the progression. And he noticed that um, some people's A1C showed that they were, that they, that they were sort of uh, imbalanced, and in fact, they were. Some people showed that they were prediabetes, and they were. But a whole bunch of people had blood sugar all over the world, but all over the map, but their A1C looked totally normal. Mm. So he was like, okay, great. 34 million people have diabetes. 80, almost 90 people, 90 million people have prediabetes, but I believe millions of others who we don't believe have high A1C also have huge glycemic dysregulation. What do we do about this? How do we warn people? How do we let them know? How do we help them sort of um, walk off the ledge? Because they don't know, essentially they don't know. Today, 80, 90 million people today are walking towards diabetes and they don't know it. So we then uh, quickly, um, rushed through towards diabetes because the urgency was around diabetes. As we spoke with payers, as we, we spoke with employers, they felt like diabetes was the, was the thing that then would bring on all the comorbidities with it and just became very um, costly in terms of um, both financially, but also just human suffering. So, you know, a million people today die from diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and stroke, just those three. We spent a billion dollars a day on heart disease. We spend a billion dollars a day on diabetes if you account for the loss of productivity. And so one out of every $4 in the US healthcare system is spent on people with diabetes. So we felt pretty anxious about helping this population. And this is also not just an American problem. This is a global problem. Everywhere in the world, just about in every country, obesity is on the rise. And with that goes... Um, problems uh, with diabetes and prediabetes. So that's what we set out to do. Um, who showed up to the door 
um, were those people for sure, but also a lot of people like you, Sean, a lot of optimizers showed up that we had not planned for. Um, they showed up to the door and they were like, we want this thing, we want the AI, AI is the future, AI can tell me things that I don't know. People want a lot of validation of their actions. They wanna know that what they're doing is the right thing to do. So they have a huge amount of interest in, tell me something I don't know. So a lot of these optimizers who already optimize in a lot of ways, came to the door and by the way, um, we have two different kinds of optimizers. We have optimizers who are literally optimizers, but we also have optimizers who are optimizers, but they're coming from a background of um, diabetes. They've, had, they've lost parents or lost grandparents or have had siblings or have had gestational diabetes. People who are genuinely at risk for diabetes and they're very concerned about it and they wanna do everything in their power to make sure that they don't end up where their, um, their family has. So the customer is today people that, um, what we call explorers, people who, who kind of are interested in longevity, they're interested in, like they know they have a lot of different um, risks for different chronic conditions. They, wanna, they want to stay, you know, keep those diseases at bay. They want to, you know, the later they happen to you, the less, the less they're going to impact you. So there are those people. And then there are, you know, there are the optimizers who are just like buying every test, doing every, they're buying every um, wearable. They are, you know, they're going from their full body MRI to their, you know, they're just like obsessed with just measuring everything because they figure if you measure it, you can manage it as you, as you also believe um, yourself. So that's who's showing up to the door now. But I have not given up um, on, I really believe that we still don't have an amazing product um, for people with diabetes and uh, pre-diabetes. We have no product today that's gone into a million people. Um, mm. uh, some of the products that you know that have done very well in the stock market, um, you know, they went public with under 200,000 patients. And then a year later had 400,000 patients, you know, maybe now they have, I don't know, 800,000 patients, I, I, I doubt it, but, um, but that's not, we're, we're talking about half of the American adult population having diabetes or prediabetes. So we are nowhere close to um, an amazing solution that's like spreading like wildfire and we still need that. That still is the prize in my view, because sure you can help the optimizers, that's great. They're gonna be healthy, you can get them to live, you know, they were going to live 80 to 85 on their own. You're going to have them live to 95, 105. That's great. Um, I'd love, I'd love to help the other, other population as well. That'd yeah. be great. Yeah. The, I've had conversations around continuous glucose monitors and uh, I realized you were just on uh, Harry Glorickian's podcast mm -hmm. and I just had him on. And one thing that I said to him was, you know, the, the continuous glucose monitor in my mind is probably the most effective tracking tool that we that we as a as a human species mm -hmm. can can take advantage of you know mm -hmm. like a pedometer is great like heart rate that's fine all that's good stuff you know it can be predictive and helpful and and it help you inform and create better changes in your life but but because you've stated some of the stats on where people are diabetic pre-diabetic i think that i think the cgm is is by far the most important innovation Maybe I, I, I want to just agree. Yeah, I want to just agree with you vehemently because um, CGMs 
were an inflection in wearables, right? Before we were using um, wearables for fitness, but with CGMs, we're, we're using it for health and going from fitness to health is a big, big step. Um, so I think CGMs are um, a magic product, absolutely a magical product. Uh, they've been in development for decades, as you know, uh, they're not new and they're going to be almost you know, 40 or 50 new CGMs that are going to come to, into the market in the next few years. Um, but I think you know, accounting for glucose is really important, but we really should have continuous insulin monitors as well, because that is mm. absolutely critical. It's absolutely, absolutely critical. So, because what happens is if you, if you are insulin resistant, you're just making more insulin, you're trying to make more insulin just to, you know, and it's just not working because, um, so basically, you know, it's a vicious cycle. You gain more weight, you, um, it really is, is absolutely such a vicious cycle. And if people could understood, could understand what their insulin levels were at any point in time, um, I don't know anyone working on continuous insulin monitors right now. I hope to God that there are, there, are, there should be half a dozen people working on it because it, it can be done and it must be done. Um, I know, of course, you know, Abbott has their, um, their regular glucose sensor and they're adding uh, ketone to that. Um, there are people working on lactate, continuous lactate monitors. Um, it's possible that they could get glucose, lactate and ketone um, uh, the ultimate, uh, I know cortisol is big on your, on your mind. Um, you were mentioning it in the last podcast. Um, so I think continuous cortisol monitor will be the ultimate. Um, I think if you think CGMs are cool, I think mm. that's, that's even cooler because if you can moderate your stress, if you can figure out, um, what is giving you stress or when, you know, who is giving you stress and what is giving you stress, <laughs> all the time and to the extent that you can, you can manage those circumstances. Um, so I think we will continue to see more and more interesting um, uh, wearables coming out. Um, but I do agree with you that CGMs are very cool. The thing that I, I feel, this is one of the things that I'm, that, I, that I'm absolutely obsessed with, which is if CGMs are so interesting and so cool and they tell us so much, why aren't we giving it to all the population that has type two diabetes. Why yeah. is it that payers only approve CGMs for people that are intense insulin users? So they're using, you know, insulin. Um, you know, they're pricking themselves essentially four times a day. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's crazy. There, you know, of the of the 30 million, 34 million people who have diabetes, and now 37 million people who have diabetes. I cannot believe the stats. I was I was just looking at stats last night um, hmm. before this show, and I can't believe that they've jumped that much. Um, yeah. um, so if you have 37 million people with diabetes, and only you know about three and a half million of them are 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 intense insulin users. What about the rest? What about the rest of type two population? Why shouldn't they know how they're doing? Why shouldn't they know what's spiking them? Why shouldn't they learn? Um, why can't we close the human behavior loop for them? Mm. And so I think the reason is, and why can't we put it on the 96 million people with, pre with prediabetes? And the answer to that question is cost. Obviously, people don't want to incur the cost. The payers don't want to, uh, payers and employers don't want to incur that cost today. But with AI, we can dramatically reduce that cost. How? Well, you wear the CGM, we train a model for you, then you don't have to wear the CGM. 
and you can still have the same benefits as if you had the CGM. You want to know whether you should have this lunch or not? You can know that. You want to know what you should eat this weekend? What pancakes you're going to make for your kids? You can look up the pancakes. You want to know which pizza has, you know, less um, less glycemic load than another pizza? You can look that up. You can look all of that up without having to wear a CGM or without having to actually eat those foods. Mm. So you could decide, okay, you know, with AI, I don't have to have people wear a CGM 365 days out of the year. I could just have all the all the type two population, all of people with diabetes could wear a CGM, say four times a year. How about four times a year, you put it on, you log your food for those two weeks that you're wearing it, and January updates its models, and it's predicting for you the rest of the time. It's telling you what's gonna happen if you eat this or you have to eat that or work out or whatever. And for the pre-diabetes population, why don't we put it on everyone once a year? Or why don't we put it on everyone twice a year, every six months? Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, I'm libertarian. I don't believe in central government. I don't believe in, in those things. But I feel like these are like no-brainer things we should be doing as a society. It's like, this is just crazy. Let's just throw it on everybody. Let's <laughs> yeah. throw in a heart rate monitor is $130. And even Apple Watch, the, the Apple Watch SE, you can get them for, you know, $300 for over two years. Apple gives you credit. You can have it for whatever, 12 bucks a month, something like that you can have an Apple watch. So I feel like these things are just no brainer things we could do for our population. Um, and if you get me going on the like role of government in, uh, in our <laughs> health, uh, that's going to get very, very interesting because yeah. we are, our lifestyles are absolutely, you know, they're our lifestyles killing us. We are obviously we're not that active, but we have unhealthy diets. Obviously we have too much fat, sugar, and salt in our foods. Um, yeah. I'm sure you know about Bliss Point, the point where foods are uh, created in labs to make you, you know, have just the right of salt, fat, and sugar to addict you, mm-hmm. which is why you can't put that box of box of Cheez-Its down, me, myself, and I. Um, <laughs> and uh, white cheddar is my favorite. Um, I used to wonder why I couldn't just eat like half a box or a box, but I, I haven't had Cheez-Its for a few years, but uh, believe me, I am not without my vices. Um, but, uh, you know, there's that, there's a lot of, obviously there's a huge amount of, you know, stress and anxiety that we're dealing with. So we don't sleep very well. Our quality of sleep is not great. There's still a huge amount of alcohol and drug abuse, of course, prescription, other kinds. But, you know, as you have said, um, as I said five years ago, you know, our medical system is definitely sick care, obviously. Um, you know, out of the $3.6 trillion that we spend on healthcare, less than 3% of that spending is goes to prevention. Less than 3%. Mm-hmm. That is just insane. USDA, yeah. USDA has two constituents, the American Farber, the American Plate. They are at odds often. So over 70% of the subsidies that we give through USDA goes to commodity crops, basically like corn, soybeans, and wheat, which by Mm -hmm. themselves are not dangerous, but they usually are turning into foods that are really linked with the obesity crisis. So the system basically drives down the prices of these foods. So they are put into fast foods that people are eating and making basically leaving fresh produce to be way more expensive. Um, and this system is just killing us. And of course, insurance does pay a little bit for preventative care for like flu shots and like immunity and like some screenings. 
But these checkups are so cursory. For example, diabetes, type 2 diabetes, this is insane. They only give it to people 40 to 70 years old who are overweight um, or obese. Okay, but there are plenty of other people that have these things and they are not overweight or obese to the extent that would be considered um, eligible for screening. So I think these are just no brainers. Just, yeah. just check people, throw on a CGM, you know, sign up with a product like January who says, hey, this is what you're spiking on. This is what you can do to, uh, you know, this is an alternative food to the food you like. You like huevos rancheros? Here's a different huevos rancheros or hack your food, you know, take out one of the tortillas, dude. You can do lots of things to help people um, still love and do what they want to do with some moderation. Um, and I think as yeah. a nation, we need to commit ourselves to public health. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's not going to get better unless we help people not only just give them resources, but help them create new habits. And I want to go back to something that you said about the, the development of new food behaviors, right? New fitness behaviors. And Having the data is wonderful, you know, um, understanding what this type of food is going to do to your glucose levels is really valuable, right? But how do we bring people from this awareness, this data, then to help them develop new habits so that they're not reliant on, on the data? And you spoke to it, like if it's, if you're pre-diabetic, maybe it's once or twice a year where you can learn how these foods are, are for you, not, not for everybody else, but just for you. And I think that that's a really important part of this. And I think that you guys have, have actually uh, taken a deep dive into this and created frameworks and a user experience for people to say, okay, so not, not, it's not just the data that's meaningful. It's how I can move from now understanding what this food does with me, for me, to me, and making the changes in my life so that my lifestyle and my overall health improves. And so I think that's, I think that's super duper important, you know, as a, performance coach and life coach, you know, it, it's regardless of where you've been and why you're, where you're at your place, right? Well, let's figure out a plan going forward so that you can live a happier, healthier life and do the things that you love to do. So, so Absolutely. maybe, yeah. So tell me a little bit about how January AI helps people develop those habits over time. Perfect. So that, perfect. Yeah. Gosh, you and I never, never coordinated, but thank you. That's a perfect question. So we have five main levers that we use uh, to help people. We have five tools that we give people to use um, because not, you know, not, not everyone's the same. Not everybody can, and not everybody wants to fast. Not everybody. So we, we sort of give people at least five levers that they can turn um, to improve insulin sensitivity and to get, get on top of their blood sugar management. So um, one of them is essentially knowing when to move. So people... Um, so this is in literature. I don't know how, you know, like, for example, if you want to lower your cholesterol, you need to do HIIT training. Like, does other movements help you? Yeah, they do. But if you're capable of doing HIIT training, that's what you should be doing, because that's what literature shows that that's what lowers cholesterol. So January showed um, four years ago in our research. Now it's part of the American zeitgeist. It wasn't four years ago, but we are the people who showed that movement immediately after food lowers your blood sugar. So we mm. call it prancercizing. <laughs> we used to, we, yeah, so, so I'm, I'm wearing my, my CGM right now, but we used to like put on CGMs. This is, this is 2017. You know, and we would 
uh, we would, you know, late late 2017. I think we got we hired our first uh, hired our first technical person November of 2017. So like early 2018, we used to eat like certain things in the in the office and just walk. Like we would measure ourselves basically walking in the office, just the just the length of the office uh, versus sitting and just seeing the difference to our blood sugar. So. Um, so moving at the right time. And then what we do, which is incredibly cool with our AI, which is astonishingly fantastic, is to tell you how much you need to walk to get your blood sugar in, back in the, into, into balance. So we're very, 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 very specific. We can predict for you <clears throat> if you want to eat this thing and um, you, know, you, you want to have your blood sugar um, within the range, this is how much you have to walk. Um, in order uh, to make that happen. We made it walking because mm. it was so much, so simple. Like anybody should be able to get out and walk unless they're obviously un unable to walk. Um, and as opposed to, you know, when we first started, we had this thing where like we had an activity matcher, you know, how about if we tell them you could do so many minutes of yoga this way, we could do so many minutes of, of you know, um, of uh, soccer and so many minutes of um, swimming. And we said, well, let's keep it something simple that people could understood, understand very easily kind of um, what the price of it, each food was that we could take. So lever number one, movement. Movement at the right time for the right amount of time. Second is um, lowering the overall calorie consumption. So what, what we do, we let people know what the right number of calories are for you. So usually when, when you go, um, people are very focused on weight loss for an event. They, they're like, when it, you know, it's their best friend's wedding and they want to lose 25 pounds. We don't do anything like that. We're not, a, we're not, we don't see ourselves as a weight loss company. We're really a weight management company. Um, if you want to put, you know, weight as part of our persona at all. And so we can tell you for the amount of activity that you have, um, how much and everything else about you, how many calories you should be consuming. And then we try to keep you to those calories. So we don't believe like, um, you know, we are all about the small nudges and the small actions as opposed to, hey, Sean, you dropped 25 pounds and Nushin, you dropped 15 pounds and so on. So drop, you know, it's all about like very specific for you. What's the number of daily categories? And if your activity mm -hmm. moves and your activity changes and increases, we will adjust the number of calories. So this will be managed dynamically so that you know, oh, I can't afford to eat more or I cannot afford to eat more because I just had like me just two you know, birthday cakes over the weekend on Saturday and Sunday. So I know I need to really watch it in the next three days. So that's the second one is calorie management. The third one is intermittent fasting. So as you know, there's quite a bit of literature around benefits of intermittent fasting for insulin sensitivity. There's all these studies that have been done around people um, using intermittent fasting to also restrict their calories or intermittent fasting without restricting your calories, meaning eat whatever you want, but eat it during a shorter period of time versus eat with a short period of time and also eat less. Um, by definition, you're going to be less hungry, a whole bunch of things are going to happen. Regardless, all of that literature is out there and it all exists and there's no definitive, but we do know that uh, whether you restrict your calories or not, intermittent fasting does help insulin sensitivity. So we are very um, keen on that. And the beautiful, again, the, the beauty of our product is that it passively, passively knows when you've been eating and not eating. So we can figure out, we can calculate your fasting period without you having to track it or set a fasting period for yourself. So 
by the by the act of using our product, um, you can know, oh, my fasting period right now is eight hours and I want to increase it to nine hours. I want to increase it to 10 hours. I want to go to 10 hours, 12 hours. So in our program, um, we nudge you to change, to essentially move your, increase your fasting period 15 minutes a day, depending on like how fast you're going and, and such. In future products, we want to let you sort of set your own uh, goals as far as you know how fast you want to go how slow do you want to go but we basically start um, nudging you 15 minutes a day we take your baseline that's what you do when you first come into the product you do a baseline and then everything starts from there and then you do a baseline for your calories you do a baseline for your um, for your activity you do a baseline for your inter intermittent fasting um, the fourth thing that we're very obsessed about and is part of our kind of the January program of improving insulin sensitivity is getting you to eat more fiber and without a doubt fiber and i can talk later about what why does fiber work um, and fiber is absolutely absolutely critical and so what we do is we track people's fiber um, and I, I can talk again ad nauseum about like how fiber poor american diet is you know mm -hmm. our ancestral diets had 150 grams of fiber a day uh, you know, the average American is taking what 10 to 15 grams of fiber a day. And for men, it's recommended 30 to 38 grams of fiber a day for women, 20 to 25 grams or 21 to 25 grams of fiber a day. So we are really, really short every day. No wonder why we have all this inflammation and we have all these problems. And I want to talk about fiber later because we're kind of as a team, we're just obsessed with it. We have been since the onset of the company. And so um, we get you to see how much fiber you're eating and then how to increase fiber. What are fiber rich foods that you're eating? And then what are, um, what are other sources of fiber that you could, be, uh, you could be taking? And the fifth lever is really helping you to remove high spiking foods and replace them with low spiking foods. So, um, so there are lots of other uh, CGM based companies out there these days. And they do what they do is they basically name your curve. So you take a picture of your food and you put some text in like T and then you go, yeah, that's my T. And they basically you, you name your curve. That's extremely a thin experience. Um, mm -hmm. what, what we do is we are able to see what you were eating actually and what was in it. What were the carbs? What were the macros and ma micros? We can tell how much glycemic load was in there. We know what kind of curve um, it's going to produce for you. And then we can also tell you, oh, this is the amount of walking you should do. This is how you should hack this thing, either by movement or next time you need to eat something else or before you eat it, you need to choose something else. So what we do is we look at these high spiking foods because these high spiking foods are going to um, basically spike your blood sugar and then you're going to try to bring in insulin to kind of meet that demand. And if you're not successful, you just keep producing more and you kind of get into this vicious, uh, vicious cycle. So um, future product um, features are going to show you um, ability to hack anything you want. But right now, uh, recommendations, our recommendations would tell you, well, Instead of that almond croissant, maybe half an almond croissant and egg, maybe, you know, and this is all um, basically our AI doing this. Um, mm. So it's pretty magical. It's <laughs> phenomenal. If you compare it to a coach, for example, who can't see inside your body, I mean, that has been the diabetes prevention program the last 20 years, the DPPs um, of the last 10, 12 years are, have really been about you know, coaching, right? They, people couldn't get enough doctor time. You were saying you cannot get this stuff from your doctor in your last episode. You're right. But even if you saw your doctor, it's just for mm -hmm. 15 minutes and they right. don't, they're not really 
um, you know, uh, so, so they're not nutritionists either. They're not nutritionists. They're not taught about nutrition in medical school. That's not what they are. They're not prevention practitioners. They are, Mm -hmm. they are, they are, um, trained to look for, you know, signs of disease and help you mitigate that disease or just deal with that disease. But the later you wait, the worse your trade-offs, the more you wait and the sicker you get, um, there's just no good answers. And the earlier you obviously have all the choices in the world. Um, so yeah, so we're pretty, um, psyched about, um, being able to help people use these five levers to improve insulin sensitivity and really, um, improve their underlying physiology. You know, we're Mm. not, uh, I think some CGM companies out there are talking about, you know, I I talked to some of their customers and they say, oh, uh, I don't want to have any spikes. And I go, really? That's, that's dangerous because, um, (laughs) that's not good if you Mm. had no spikes, at all, because that means you're not, you're not working out hard enough. You're not pushing yourself hard enough. But if you have, you know, you have a great workout, you're going to have a big glucose spike. That's not a, that's not a bad spike. So I think rudimentary education, when people first come into sort of blood sugar, they're like, Oh, all of spikes are bad. And that's not the case. Mm -hmm. It's really important. Like how fast your glucose is going up, how fast is coming down the area under the curve. It's more sophisticated than these sort of caricaturization of mm. your, your metabolic system. So I'm hoping that as time goes on, we are effective in educating people to kind of know themselves deeply, to understand what's homeostasis for them, what's not, and how, when they get out of homeostasis, to get themselves in homeostasis. A quick announcement from one of our sponsors and then right back into the episode. Do you feel like you're lacking that primal motivation, drive, and energy you used to have? Every year after puberty, your growth hormone decreases, sometimes by 50% by the age 35, and it only keeps going down from there. It doesn't matter how in shape you are or how good your diet is, it's happening to all of us. Growth hormone decreases can cause chronic fatigue, body fat, low libido, poor sleep, so much more. Basically, it's like driving your high mileage car on bad gas with low oil. That's where BioPro Plus comes in. BioPro Plus is the first of its kind, 100% non-synthetic alternative to prescription HGH growth hormone treatments. It immediately replaces what your body is no longer getting. And it does it naturally without needles or nasty side effects or expensive costs like typical synthetic growth hormone. BioPro Plus is not a synthetic drug, so it will not shut off natural production you still have. BioPro Plus is scientifically backed and 100% safe. But here's my real opinion about this stuff. I've tried so many different things and I wanted to, because I'm almost 40, I wanted to put on more lean mass. I wanted a little bit more energy, a little bit more focus, and this stuff works. You unscrew this little vial, you pour the contents underneath your tongue, and you let it sit there for 90 seconds. And within 15 or 20 minutes, I could tell my body needed this, it wanted this. I was more effective. I had, I'm, I've been having some of the best workouts I've had in the last couple of weeks. It really is an incredible product. You can get $30 off if you use the code OPP. Go to bioproteintech.com and use the code OPP and get $30 off. I'm telling you, if you have considered doing hormone replacement, you've got to try this first. Okay, back to the episode. Yeah, that I mean that just to kind of put a bow on that too. If if you understand those levers and you know how to use them at the right time, you're you're building their awareness that can actually lead to long-term changes, you know, this sense of interoception where you kind of understand what's going on in your body. Oh, I feel Absolutely. a little inflamed or oh, you know, I have some GI disruption from this thing, or my sleep is like uh, like I'm having a hard time. And that 
that's where a change happens so that you can develop these habits so that you're not glued to this one tech or this other tech that's going to like do it for you. I think that's, I think that's huge. I want to talk a little bit about the, uh, the, the role that the microbiome plays in this. And I, and I realize that that's a part of this. And, and for me, I think, I think it's just dry. I've done lots of episodes on leaky gut and autoimmune disease and the gut brain connection, all this stuff. Totally. Can you tell me, tell me a little bit about how the microbiome plays in and what you guys Yeah. Have so, yeah. So, um, so our, uh, our lever is fiber to really, um, feed the microbiome. So what does fiber do? So fiber manages, helps you improve glucose in two ways. So it helps, uh, there's the physical interaction of fiber with the food. And then there's sort of metabolism of fibers by the gut. So let's start first with the sort of what happens first. So the physical interaction of fiber and food, um, fiber slows down uh, gastric emptying. It, it slows down digestion because, you know, it turns into kind of gelatinous uh, material and sort of it, it slows, down, um, uh, slows down gastric emptying and digestion. And it, as a result, glucose is not so rapidly absorbed. And so this really in, reduces hyperglycemia episodes. So instead of you having a a big hyper, you know, a big curve, a big, um, big spike, as Mike Snyder calls it, and now the industry calls it, because I've been using the spike so much, because Mike, when we first started, Mike, Mike was referring to people as spikers, and we're like, Mike, don't call people spikers, let's call their food spikers, he's like, okay, <laughs> so, because he was like, at 50, people are, uh, he was like, at you know, a bunch of people are spiking that they don't know. People in their 40s are big spikers. Everyone after 50 is spiking like crazy. And we're like, no, 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 don't call them. Don't, don't call people. <laughs> don't call people, but foods. So basically, when, when you get this, when you get hyperglycemia and you have this big blood sugar spike, um, you, you end up with these sort of, uh, they cause, they, they kind of, um, you know, your body wants to react with a lot of insulin, right? And so elevated levels of insulin, though, they lead to sort of aberrant sort of messed up lipid, lipid metabolism, and it can actually exacerbate insulin resistance. That's what I was talking about, the vicious cycle. So it can actually lead to excessive weight gain. And because as insulin is trying to keep your glucose in check, but with insulin resistance, more insulin is needed. And then the elevated insulin causes its own set of issues with lipid metabolism. It kind of creates more insulin resistance. So it's kind of, um, so it is extremely important to account for insulin levels, not just glucose levels. That's what I was saying earlier. So mm -hmm. it is important to manage your spikes. And we know that fiber helps you lower your blood sugar. It helps you slow down gastric emptying and glucose absorption. So mm. that is its role in uh, sort of how it interacts with food. The second way is the gut microbiota. So basically the, um, when the gut, um, when the microbes in your gut eat the fiber, they basically consume the fiber. That's fiber is food for them. It results in production and transformation of large numbers of sort of active molecules, which is what we call bioactives. 
um, so they produce, they eat the fiber and they put out these bioactives. So these bioactives include like short chain fatty acids, secondary bile acids, amino acid derived metabolites, and other things that are still under study that we don't fully understand yet. These bioactives communicate with the host, with us, um, in a multiple in a multitude of ways. So one is the gut brain access. We mentioned that one is the secretion of secondary peptides, um, and and the third is improving the gut barrier function. So in terms of the role of fiber, those are its three functions. So in the gut brain axis, you know, the gastrointestine, as you know, like you said, you've covered it a lot. It's, it's decorated with this sort of enteric nervous system. Um, uh, and so bioactives can activate a number of um, receptors like GLP-1 and PYYs um, on the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve is what's communicating to your brain. And it's telling you you're full, don't eat. Um, <laughs> That's it, important. It's critically important, right? So, so in terms of, uh, you know, the, they induce kind of the, 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 what, these bioactives induce the secretion of secondary um, peptides, as I mentioned, from specialized cells like GLP-1. These GLP-1, they communicate with the uh, pancreatic beta cells to increase insulin secretion, which is really important. You want more insulin to be available to manage your glucose. It's also shown that GLP-1, of course, impacts satiety. It keeps you more full, less, less snacking, um, and it, it does reduce gastric emptying, actually, and it reduces glu glucagon um, secretion. All of these improve in, in glucose regulation. PYY um, once, you know, tells your brain to take, uh, reduce food intake. Um, there are other things that are less understood, and the jury's out on them, like FGF19, FGF21. These are like, it's not clear if they're bona fide regulators of glucose and lipid metabolism, uh, lipid homeostasis, but they are definitely candidates. Mucin is something that is, uh, comes from your goblet cells. These, the goal with uh, mucin is basically to improve barrier integrity, what you talked about, leaky gut, you talked about mm -hmm. that. So mucus provides a barrier basically to prevent bacteria and bacteria-derived uh, products to enter the system and to impact the underlying immune cells. Um, as, as you know, when they're impacted, um, your, um, you know, your immunity is, is compromised. A whole lot of things go wrong. In terms of the gut barrier function, um, as, you, as you mentioned, when the gut is leaky, basically uh, it allows bacterial products to, to enter the systemic circulation and cause inflammation. And Chronic low-grade inflammation, as you know, is the hallmark of insulin resistance, and it can lead to heart disease and stroke. Um, so these bioactives can essentially induce production of mucin um, from goblet cells and improve local intestinal immunity um, by targeting immune cells and also improve junctional proteins that keep the, the barrier together. So, so these are you know, several ways that fiber really makes a huge, huge, huge difference. Um, and so, yes, if we were, if I were to give advice to people about their diet, whatever they're doing, uh, they're trying to lower, um, red meat. They're trying to lower added sugars. They're trying to, um, eliminate trans fats. Um, everything else that they're doing, I would say if they're keto, I would say add fiber to your food, add fiber to your food. Can we talk a little bit about the sources of fiber and, and because it, I wonder how specific it gets 
with January. And if you have general thoughts about like, what are the, what are the best, what are the best sources for fiber? Right now, I mean, what we generally we think of as great sources of fiber are, you know, your brassicas, your basically lots of fruits and vegetables, legumes, um, nuts and seeds. Um, but um, we do currently uh, almonds, etc. But what we do right now is we can we look at what people are eating that is their sources of fiber right now. And then we do make recommendations. Um, we will personalize those recommendations further and further because some people's source of fiber don't laugh is like bread. Mm. And that's not a great source of fiber because right. you're having the glycemic load of fiber is huge. So, um, so you don't want, so we want, we're trying to raise their awareness about where their fiber is coming from. It's like you are eating fiber, but uh, you know, this is where it's coming from. So that's not really, that's not really great. Um, but ultimately it is possible you know, the question is, um, is it possible for everyone to get all the fiber they need from their diet? I think it is if they're extremely judicious, but for a whole lot of people, they're going to need a fiber supplement because, um, you know, and, you know, um, that's something we've believed in since the day we started the, the, the AI company and um, something we're really um, very keen on, um, which is how to, how to help people manage their blood sugar through proper use of proper intake of fiber. So um, uh, yeah, so the, the sources of fiber, I mean, if you um, look at what, you know, it's all the things you already know, um, but I think as people are trying to dial their foods, fiber, 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 mm. fiber, fiber, can't say enough. So our, um, our original um, uh, co-founder and SAB member, Justin Sonnenberg, who wrote The Good Gut, um, he used to, he said 80% of, um, health is fiber and the rest is January, <laughs> meaning it's just like precision, precision, get tired, dial it, dial it, dial it, dial it, dial it while trying to keep, you know, maintaining people's preferences and dietary, um, joys, because yeah. we are not about removing joy. We're all about mm -hmm. putting joy in. Somebody was telling me, somebody was using, a, a, another CGM um, company's products told me, um, actually a reporter asked me, said, have you had trouble with, um, eating disorders? And I said, no, we haven't had any, anyone with eating disorders. She said, there are people that are developing eating disorders because they're just trying to avoid spikes. They're just trying to eat. They're just trying to, they're obsessed with just not having a spike at all. And I was like, oh my God, uh, this is the exact opposite of what, what we want to do. We want to help right. people have we want to have people have their glass of Pinot Noir, but, you know, be able to see that three glasses of Pinot Noir is not so good for their blood sugar, but one glass is okay. Depends. I have a friend who told me that um, wine puts him to sleep, uh, but like whiskey, like shoots him up completely. And he'd hmm. never, he'd ne never know one. why, because he thought alcohol, alcohol. But of course, now we're laughing because we, now yeah. that we have CGMs, we go, duh, that's like yeah. obvious. Right. Um, but that wasn't so obvious three, four years ago. So I think our goal is just help people understand what works for them, what works for them, what works for them. And then we don't stop there. We don't stop there. We don't just say, oh, okay, this is what happened at this hour today. Let's name your curve. Your curve is called sandwich. You know, we say, what's the sandwich? Can we give you a better sandwich? Can we find mm -hmm. a better sandwich within walking distance? We want to go that last mile, which is why we have 16 million foods in our database. We want, we have all the foods that are in Yelp. Um, basically, we want to be able to 
wow. help you find. So a lot of the programs you use these days, at the end, you end up with like these 10 great foods you should be eating, and these 10 foods you should be avoiding. And that's it. Um, mm. That's where they end. But we don't end there. If we want you to eat, we want you to have more inulin, uh, then we, we tell you, oh, this restaurant has, um, you know, um, onion soup, French onion soup nearby. You can walk to it and get your French onion soup. So we don't stop by just like eat more onions. It's kind of like, you know, so you can, we haven't really, we have 2 million recipes. We have um, all the foods in, uh, in Yelp. We haven't curated it for people yet. Like we're not pushing those things to them, but they can pull those. They can just go look up, hey, what's good for me? And they can look up what their curve would be if they eat, mm. ate this, if they ate that. So it's an incredibly powerful discovery uh, platform because if people really want to know, gee, I want a salty snack. I just don't know which one. Um, we're the perfect product to, to help you figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's, what's well, wildly helpful when you can understand that you can still get joy out of food. It can still be, I mean, we celebrate with food, you know, it sounds like you had some cake this weekend. We've got birthdays coming up this weekend. So there's cake coming my way. It, we, we, we celebrate, we enjoy it. We should, and we should also make the best possible choices. Like if, like, uh, I just, I, I, it really resonates with me. And I think for people who think like, Oh, all my fun is gone. I'm doing this tracking thing. Like I'm, I've, I've got this app now. Yeah. I've got the CGM. That's going to, that's going to tell me how naughty of a boy I've been. And I think that that's damaging for people because then it becomes a, you know, an obsession and not a good way. Um, I think it now would be a really good time to explain the process, how people onboard, what, what, what will they expect when they say, Hey, this really makes sense to me. I dig this. I want to, I want to start this process. Can you walk people through uh, the whole process? Sure. Yeah. Our current process, we're actually revising the whole thing, but our current process is that you, you go to um, the website and you go through a telemedicine um, visit and you get prescribed um, CGMs and then you go download the app and you connect your wearables to, to the app. So you connect your Fitbit, your Apple watch, um, your CGM. And we also pull information obviously from Apple, um, Apple health kit. Um, and you start a program. We have, you have a choice. You can take the optimizer path or the discoverer path. The discover path is, or is for people who need more handholding, people who are newer to, they're less um, aware of kind of the body of the corpus of science available around insulin sensitivity and around um, blood sugar management and hyperglycemia. So for those people, we have a much more uh, curated experience. It's a 30-day program. They start literally four days of baselining, and then they're giving their their predictions begin, their calories begin. Um, we we sort of figure out, and then we put them on a program. So uh, they do a oral glucose tolerance test, which is um, you know drinking this sugary drink, and then we watch their their glucose response to that. Hmm. That tells us about their metabolic health, and That's then. Cool. We begin, uh, yeah, we begin giving them a very low glycemic load breakfast, and then we compare these three breakfasts. So their usual breakfast that we got in baselining, uh, the the pure sugar, and the very very low GL breakfast. So we we compare these three for them to see if their breakfast is closer to more sugar or their breakfast is closer to to very very low glycemic load so they can see the difference between these curves sort of see these extreme cases and be able to see aha uh -huh, that's where i am against the two extremes mm -hmm. um, 
And so then they go through other experiments where they can see, uh, for example, they eat their, their favorite meal one day, and then they eat their favorite meal um, and walk 25 minutes after it, for example, for them to be able to, and then we compare those curves again. So it's a, it's, there's a bunch of experiments that they go through um, to see the impact of like fruit versus juice, um, you know, meal versus meal plus activity um, and, and so on. So they go through these experiments and they're served up some content in, in this context. So we're kind of divided into this thing. It's around nourish, move and recharge and recharge has to do with kind of sleep and, and mindfulness and all of those things. And move is of course exploratory. It's about movement and our goal to get them active and for them to understand what the price of, price of um, each food is in terms of activity um, that they would have to do to get their blood sugar back in the right range. So, um, so that's the path for explorers. So they know less, but they need more, a little bit more handholding. So that's what we do. We show them experiments. We, we have them literally, literally see for themselves, like what, what is happening in their bodies. The optimizer path is hands off. Uh, they basically come in, there are no experiments for them. There's a, there's a bunch of, um, there is a bunch of content for them, but really mostly the optimizers um, experience what we call sort of the always January, which is they start, um, if they're interested in logging their food, they do that. That's how our product works. Um, our AI takes in inputs from CGM and heart rate and food logs, and it starts putting out their calories and their insights. And their insights would be like, these are your high spiking foods. These are your what we call activity counterfactuals, which is you ate this, but had you eaten it, eaten this and walked 10 minutes, this would have been your curve. Mm -hmm. If you walked, if you ate this and, um, and walked 25 minutes, this would be your curve. So we do, we do those kinds of insights that we share with them. Um, we have, we have big plans for re redoing the UI of the product and the whole um, user experience to really highlight our AI, which we think is a major differentiator with other people because you know most products out there are basically they're just riding the wave of cgm which is a magical product which is great on its own and then they take a picture and text and so they're naming your product and that's kind of where they stop um, they have mm. great content i think a lot of people are doing a good job of, of educating the public which is an absolute absolute service to 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 the us to to the world um, by getting the awareness up around, uh, you know, now these days people are so educated. I interview, um, you know, our users and they're like, oh yeah, I'm reading about the Dawn effect. I'm reading about this and that. And they're, they're, they're so, they're getting so much more uh, uh, educated and um, aware. Um, so, so we think our core contribution is the AI um, at this moment. And um, we want to highlight that better for our users and make it more useful for them and mm. put it, put it, put it to their service more. Um, so we were sort of a very geeky bunch. And I think we're, <laughs> we're, we are, we're moving more towards, you know, getting, getting things to be, um, you know, a better user experience so that people could really take advantage of the incredible technology, the powerful um, AI that we've created that we have a lot of IP around that we're very yeah. proud of. Uh, I, I, again, talking even more in depth about the the experience with the app and mm -hmm. how how you make the progress. Um, mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about how the January score is calculated because people love seeing that number. They like yeah. you know they I, I'm I'm 
like everybody else that wears a Fitbit, you know, I get excited when I wake up and I see that I was a 90 or above in my sleep last night. Like Mm -hmm. these metrics are really, really important because it's fun and interesting and you kind of know where you're at. So walk us through uh, how the January score works. Yeah. So currently January score is based on um, uh, trying to maximize your timing range. Um, It's based on um, um, how well you're, you're sticking to your, um, uh, calorie goals and that sort of thing, your fiber, but we are completely rewriting the January score right now. Um, and it's going to be a lot more informative in terms of, uh, we're really boosting some of the mindfulness areas and some of the other areas that we think are really critical. Like if you really want to improve insulin, uh, sensitivity, number one thing, sleep better. I mean, that's what it just, if when you don't sleep better, so much goes wrong. So many, I mean, we can talk about like the hormones you don't produce that don't give you control. You, you don't have ghrelin and you don't, I mean, we can, we, that's really, really fascinating how much less control you have when mm-hmm. you don't sleep, for example. So sleep exercise, obviously reducing stress, um, you know, losing weight. We talked about calorie restriction, intermittent fasting and eating more soluble fiber and eating more fruits and vegetables um, and, you know, cutting down on carbs and cutting down on added sugar and trans fats and that kind of stuff. So we are um, making January score essentially report back to you on how you're doing on these different fronts. So right now it's calculated very simply. And we had, we had some gamification in the product that was really confusing to people. So we've removed the gamification. Mm -hmm. We're only going to have the January score uh, instead of gamification and January score. So We've removed the gamification for the time being. Um, uh, we will reintroduce it back um, later with a different user experience. But right now we're focused on the January score and re- revising the January score. So it's gonna have Nourish, which is one of our tenets. Um, it has Move and Recharge, kind of the way we, we are organized. But it will also have a whole, it's got um, gut section, it's gut health section will be, with the, will be completely redone and um, enhanced. So um, unfortunately, I can't tell you more about it. I don't know how much mm-hmm. of it's going to get done when, but we are, we are working on making all those things happen. But it is the major focus of our attention is the January score and revising that to make it well understood, really useful, and more encompassing of what people are doing. I, for me, I think it's refreshing to go through these processes of iteration. You know, it's like for you to hear and people who are listening now, they're saying, oh, well, they're changing a bunch of stuff. And that's a really good thing because when you get feedback and you understand, oh, yeah. hey, this thing wasn't really working the way that we wanted to, we wanted to simplify it. I think, I think that's, that's important as you get more and more users, as this becomes more well-known as a tool for health optimization like you got to make changes. And so absolutely. I think you could, I mean, I think people are coming at this from different places. We came at it from a a very, we came at it from a machine learning AI perspective. So the first question we asked ourselves was what can the data tell us? Hmm. So Andrew Eng talks about, um, you know, AI companies are started by like, what can the data tell me as opposed to like, what is it that the market needs? So we weren't, we weren't, um, for better or for worse, our company was not founded on the basis of, you know, we were not a marketing company, market first company. We were a science mm. first company. So the first, we are still a science first company. We will always be a science first company. Um, we will get better and better at marketing, but we'll never be a marketing first company uh, for the sake of science. And we, we're unapologetic about it. We think mm. that's fantastic. We want to continue to stay that way. We feel that it will serve us and the humanity more if we remain dedicated to science. So 
we started from like, what does the data tell you? And so we, you know, we first, we were like, you know, CGMs are very cool. Mike Snyder had been wearing them for like eight years. Um, he wears like four or five different. Um, I've seen that. Yeah. Of, yeah. Of like heart rate monitors. So we were like, okay, what can this data tell us? And we're like, okay, we also need food data. Cause we want to predict basically what we want to free this person from wearing a CGM all the time. So how do we free them from wearing a CGM? So use the CGM, train, and then remove it. Um, and then we've even, we published a paper where you wear a CGM and a heart rate monitor and you remove the CGM and the heart rate monitor now is predicting things for you. So, um, you know, so we were very much uh, began as an intellectual endeavor. It's like, what can we learn? How can we serve people? What can we do about this problem? And then um, for us, the, you know, the, the marketing was secondary. So we are, you know, we're, we're catching up on that front, um, but you know I think it's easier to to adopt marketing practices than to change your DNA to be a science based mm. company. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, we we all win when uh, it's based in science and you figure out the marketing as you go, right? <laughs> totally, totally. Uh, yes, I mean marketing is important so you can let people know what good is out there. But yeah. I think it's uh, we have to be careful in this. As we go through consumerization of healthcare in America, we have to be, yeah. we have to be super careful not to have marketing rule because um, we can right. really misguide people and we can have some, you know, we're trying to do good, but we could, we could end up with a whole lot of hurt and hopefully, hmm. hopefully we don't do that. Yeah. So I have a couple more questions before we, uh, before we conclude here today. One, one question is what, what's your mission? So our mission is to eradicate lifestyle diseases. We think that there's, there's, there's no reason. We have the technology, even though um, you and I spoke about all the things we would like to have, like continuous insulin um, monitoring, for example. We today have enough technology to, to dramatically reduce cost of diabetes and cardiovascular disease and deaths and suffering from those. As you know, something like 40% of the people who died of COVID had underlying conditions like diabetes. So this is a this is a killer. It's a it's a Huge. clear it's a it's a clear problem. So our mission is to eradicate lifestyle-based diseases and to do that by simple means of wearables, AI, um, and some monitoring of lifestyle. Yeah. And then giving awesome. people nudges and content education, just building this building this continuous loop of continuous life monitoring where people just say, okay, this is, I can't fix five things. I can fix three things, or I can fix two things. I can learn mm -hmm. something here and then I'll build on this and then I'll take, pick up the next. Like my own journey has been that way. You know, when I first started, um, you know, don't laugh, but like standing um, is a big, big, big challenge because, you know, I've, um, I think it's well known. I've been a workaholic my whole life. <laughs> so, so I've been on a journey of, of sort of un, un, unwinding from that and just working in a different way. And it's, uh, and I think COVID wasn't very helpful to that because you're just sitting more actually you're through Zoom because when I'm at the office, um, which I am at least three times a week, I'm standing, we're whiteboarding, we're walking, we're talking. Mm -hmm. It's really much more healthy that way. So, um, yeah, so so it is it is a journey, and I think um, you want to help people with take small steps and just start somewhere and just nudge them along, and then they will fall off like we all will from time to time. Get back on. That's why the company is called January because we want every day to be like January first. I love that. I love that. <laughs> I do. 
so where can people find out more? I also noticed the pricing. Uh, there's an early access offer. Uh, where, where would you drive people to go? Where can they find and follow along and learn more on social? And uh, what's up with that early access offer you got? Yeah, so we have, um, we have, we're still, like I mentioned, working on the uh, user experience. We're actually engaging users right now to help us develop uh, the January score. Uh, we recently showed our uh, mocks to like 30 users and asked them what they thought about what we were thinking of building and heard, got a lot of really interesting feedback. So we're still in the process of um, tweaking that product. Yeah, so we have our early access um, uh, price and we will keep experimenting with pricing and packaging. We will be going to subscriptions um, and you know, providing uh, a subscription to the AI uh, without the CGM, which should be really interesting. So we're working on a number of things that are going to uh, come about. Um, we're also working on content um, to, we feel like our, our, you know, the things that fascinate us and that make us really interesting, we wanna share that with other people. Like, what are we reading? What are we looking at? What are, what's going into our thinking? Um, and we wanna share more of that with, with, the, with the world. Um, so, yeah, I would say that, um, you know, I really encourage listeners to, to think about you know, to not think simplistically about their health and to be remain open-minded and remain super curious and just want to learn, you know, know that there's no silver bullet and that the mm -hmm. answer is lots of little things and just to pick up what comes easy and just slowly, you know, if, if you can just experiment with intermittent fasting, try that. See if that's something that you can do slowly increasing your fasting versus your eating period and just you know, if you're starting from eight, eight, 16, okay. Can you, can you fast a little longer? Can you, can you go a little longer without eating? By the way, fiber, fiber makes you feel full. And so what I do myself is I'll have fiber. Uh, so in the beginning, you know, not in the beginning, but at some point um, when I got religion about having sort of a, a very um, kind of a really solid routine, I was always set on eating three times a day you know, 7 30, 8 a.m., 12 or 12 30, and then like 6 30 or 7. And I'd been doing that for like 17 years. And when I started intermittent fasting, and I thought, if I don't eat breakfast, I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah. And you don't. And you don't die, first of all. I know what's happening with my blood sugar, and no one's dying. Nothing's like that is happening. But what I do is I take fiber around, you know, eight or nine in the morning, and then I'm not hungry till 11. And then I'll eat mm. at 11, and then I'll eat again early dinner, um, or I'll have a snack in the afternoon, and I'll eat a normal dinner at 6.30 or 7. So it's, it's actually magical what, um, what you can do to dial your body and dial your diet. And so, um, yeah, so I would encourage people to, to, to keep an open mind, be curious, and that we're going to see a lot of fads, Sean, we're going to see fad after fad after fad. Yeah. We, my dream has come true. People actually care now about how they look inside as much as they look how much they care about how they look on the outside. So that's phenomenal. Five years ago, that was just a dream. <laughs> COVID actually helped that dream come true. That was a silver lining of COVID. Um, with all the death and misery you brought, I think it also brought some awareness that, um, that people don't know about their underlying conditions. There's a lot they should find out. They should become curious about themselves. So um, yeah, so we are very much 
you know, we want to be partners with people um, in, in the journey, on their health journey of getting to know themselves and figuring out how to dial things. And we just encourage you to stay focused on the scientific side. Don't jump into fads. Um, study, learn, and educate yourself. Don't think there's a silver bullet out there. Keeping your glucose down at 110 every day, every hour is not smart. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't do crazy things like that. Um, and live a normal life, a moderate life that is that is uh, going to actually, uh, you know, improve your health span and help you age gracefully and you know put you in the best shape um, in your you know 40s and 50s and so and 60s and so on. So that would that's what I would encourage users is to keep an open mind, um, read and self educate and self advocate and get to know yourself better than anyone else on this planet. Hmm, absolutely. Uh, you and I, before we hit the record button, really kind of covered that and said the health optimization, it has to be custom. It has to be custom to you. Not just men this, women that. Not just, you know, 30, 34 to 45 year olds. Like it has to be individual to you. And we have these tools now. And I believe, just like you believe, that in pretty short order, this is going to be standard. This is going to be 100%. typical for, and, and, and to that end, lifestyle diseases are going to be optional. You're going to, you're going to choose to overeat. You know, you have the tools, it's there for you. You know, we know what smoking does and people still smoke, but now we know how foods interact with each of us individually. We can develop these skills we can make smart choices and so it's like okay it's it's up to you it's all there for you you can either choose to make these changes and uh, live longer and more healthful or not so Mm -hmm. yeah um well yeah for for context everybody can just go to january.ai there's tons of information there's blog posts there's research there's there's so many great points so i would i would have everybody go there and then my final question as we as we wrap it up is a fill in the blank question And so this can be based on anything that you know, anything that you've learned. It doesn't have to be specific to January and you can elaborate as much or as little as you want, Mm -hmm. but please fill in the blank. Everyone would benefit from knowing. That fiber is the greatest lever of diet. Fiber's where it's you, at. You, you want another one? You want me to go into Putin or anything like that? I'm going to stay out of politics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we should do we should do a uh, a follow up that just focuses on policy, the tenets of libertarianism and personal choice, freedoms. Yeah. <laughs> yes, because because when you're say when we're encouraging people to be healthy, I mean, if you want to serve America, be healthy yourself. You know, that's that, one of the greatest things that you right. can do because we can't. We're having trouble getting people qualified for armed forces because of obesity i mean that is a this is a this is a crisis so you know when i wake up last night when i saw the number of pre-diabetes i literally searched it three times because i live this every day i'm thinking about pre-diabetes and diabetes and i'm every day and yesterday when i searched and it said 96 million people instead Mm. of 88 i said no i must be wrong and i went and searched it again and then i went into the cdc website i was like this isn't somebody else not an old article about something ADA wrote. This is the CDC. And I was like, mm. holy moly, I just can't get, get through this. So yes, I, I feel extremely passionately about the government policies. I think government is the biggest lever we have. It spends tremendous amount of money 
um, as you know, in terms of um, you know all the things that it funds, uh, school launches, all the all the food assistance programs, all the subs subsidies of the government. I mean, government has a huge role to play in mm. terms of supporting research. You know, the NIH money that gets spent, as I mentioned, three percent of the healthcare cost goes to prevention. You know, seventy percent of USAID money is going to subsidies for these things that are making us sick. So that government has a gigantic role to play and we should hold accountable the government for all the taxes that we're paying they should make better policies um all the entrenched interests um that are mm -hmm. there and we should shake this up this is making us weak yeah. and if we look at the world um scene today um yes we could have a strong military we could do all of that but we could also have a population that has the the stamina, the fortitude, the, the physical health to stand up to, to um, pandemic after pandemic, war, et cetera. And we are just, um, you know, we're, we're exposed. You're right. And with increased health and increased health awareness, what happens is your brain gets sharper. What happens is you're less fearful. What happens is your, 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 yourself, your household, your community, humanity improves. Like one of my most favorite quotes of all time is from Baba Ram Dass. And he says, the greatest gift that you can give to me is to work on yourself. And the greatest 100%. gift that I can give to you is to work on myself because that that's what moves the needle. And if you increase your health, you're smarter, you're happier, you're sharper, you're more loving, you're making better choices, like you're, you're building community. Yeah. I, I, we you're are more fun to be around and, yeah, you're, right. and you're a better citizen. You're more. You're right. And so if, you know, philanthropy starts with yourself, you want to help others start helping yourself, um, put that vest on, uh, on yourself first, the, uh, <laughs> the safety vest, and then help the other people. Yeah. I think that's critically important. So I hope we can change the conversation from, you know, um, like, don't tell me to supersize my drink because, you know, that's kind of my choice. No, that's not the choice you're making by yourself. You're making that choice for all of us. Right. Because as you, as you do that, you are making healthcare more expensive for, for me. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I'm not doing that. So I think we want to help. I think we want to help people really gain awareness. I think a lot of it has to do with education, has to do with changing the standard of care in this country and having um, medical care be a lot more preventative oriented and to do more preventative screening. Um, like I said, there's just so much that we could do around food about, about, you know, we can do around standard of care around what insurers cover and how we can use AI to democratize health and bring more health equity? Why should only the wealthy be able to pay for these CGMs out of pocket? Why right. can't we use AI to give them to everyone? Um, mm. Everyone has type two, everyone who has prediabetes intermittently, part of the time. Why don't we do that? So I think um, I'm hoping that we can, we can move faster and that we don't wait um, to weaken um, more as a nation uh, because health is wealth. Mm -hmm. Here, here. This has been such an eye-opening conversation. Uh, I really, I, I enjoy your approach, your transparency. You, you're on top of the data. You know the stuff. Obviously, you live and breathe it. But to to be able to share it with people in this accessible way and open up their minds a little bit is is what I'm here to do. And so, I just appreciate you being here with me today on the Optimal Performance Podcast. Thank you, Sean. I really enjoyed it, and I hope we can stay in touch. 
Health is wealth. That is the takeaway from this episode for me. You know, the last couple of years have probably all showed us that if you're not feeling well, if people are sick around you or if you are sick yourself, that's the only thing that matters. And for illnesses like this, like diabetes, like metabolic inflexibility that really just just trash your your hormone system and your immune system, having solutions like this before things get bad, uh, I think could really, really help a lot of people. And uh, I, I like the, the risks that January AI is taking. I like that they are taking such a big swing at something as pervasive as diabetes as a start. And I don't know, I think that this is really important technology and, and I hope that you at least take a look at it You know, like every episode, my goal is to provide you with useful information that you can activate on. Some of this stuff makes sense for you. Some of this stuff doesn't. But as you continue to listen to each of these episodes, exploring your own health with the tools that we have at our fingertips, I think is really, really, really important. I encourage you to go out and uh, do your own research and to see what you can find that might work for you before things get too bad. Because when you're sick, man, that's the only thing that you can think about. When someone in your life is sick, whether it's cognitive decline or uh, debilitating uh, diabetes or um, even just obesity, just slows people down so dramatically, it just changes your life. And so I encourage you all to go check this stuff out. Uh, as always, please go check me out on Instagram at McCormick. And uh, go to seanmccormick.com to learn a little bit more about how I do my thing as a coach, as a performance coach. I do consulting. I work with small groups. And uh, I'm, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to release these episodes. I will see you on the internet.